Okay, week two, membership in the class, in, in the church, glorifying God through the local church. Before we get started now officially with this, uh, I'd like to open up in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you that uh, we have another week uh, to worship you, to praise you, <clears throat> Lord, in all that we do and say, may it uh, be pleasant to you and, and glorifying to you. Lord, thank you for your church. Thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, and how that you have designed the church perfectly. Lord, we may not do things perfectly here, but we do want to do things according to your word. So then we are bringing glory and honor to you. Lord, as we continue to examine on what uh, the membership in the church and glorifying you through the local church, what that looks like today, uh, I pray for uh, eyes, ears, hearts to be attentive to you, be receptive. Uh, Let your Holy Spirit speak through me. It's not my words, but you through me. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. Okay, thank you. All right, so everyone has now a, an outline. Does everyone have a pen? We had a bunch of pens. We don't. We can get some more. I think that we have some up in front if anyone needs one. Just let us know. All right, so lesson two, life in the church. What does that look like here at Believer's Fellowship? Not only Believer's Fellowship, but then also the universal church as we speak. And so really, if uh, last week I had mentioned that if you go to Uganda... And the church uh, there, Shannon Hurley, SOS Ministries, what you would see there and how they worship and how they operate functionally as a body of believers at that church in Uganda would literally match and mirror on, on what we have here at Believers Fellowship. Just like when you have other churches like Grace Community Church, uh, John MacArthur is a senior pastor uh, there in, in Southern California. Their same model, it's like, oh, well, here's the template, here's what we do. The template's right here, right? This is what we want to do according to what God's Word, and so that's what we're vitally important in in doing. All right, so what is the purpose of the church? I mean, take a look at your outline. The purpose of the church is important because we're to understand our place in the church. We need to understand what is God's intent for the church, We know he has a very specific intent, and we've got to understand and respond accordingly. So three main purposes that God has for the purposes of his church. The first is exalting God. The second is edifying believers. And the third is evangelizing the lost. So exalting God, edifying believers, and evangelizing the lost. And I mentioned this this last week, and that is a book from both MacArthur and Mayhew, Biblical Doctrine, a Systematic Summary of Bible Truth, and that's from page 752, Crossway is the publisher. All right, A, so God has an eternal purpose for the church. In Romans 8.28, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. We're called. As body of believers that are saved, we are called for a purpose. Now remember, that is only for God is called according to his purpose. In eternity past, God made a covenant with the Trinity to save people for his purposes. His bride of Christ, which is the church. Ephesians 1.5, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will. Here we again, we see God predestined us according to his purpose. He's working out that purpose, at least in part, through the church. So going back into one, the purpose of the church exalting God, here's where you'll see on that next step in your, in your outline, exalting God. This is why we are created. All creation exists to glorify God and the church and certainly has the greatest privilege and responsibility in this is our eternal destiny to glorify him forever. The church must never be man-centered, but always God-centered, or it isn't a church. Amen. Right? Let me repeat that. The church must never be man-centered, but always God-centered, or it isn't a church. So everything that we do, we want to make sure that it is conformed to what God has to say in his word, to bring glory and honor to him. It's not exalting us. They're like, oh, Chance is so awesome. He preached a great sermon, especially for you kids that were listening, paying attention. 
However, it's not about chance. It's about the word that he has and the word of God that will be exalted and where then when we live that and we obey that, that is where, again, that is part of how God is going to be exalted forever and ever because then that's a generational thing. What you are teaching your kids in how to do that, what we're taught in Bible studies from God's word, whether it be from the pulpit or any other ministry, is to where we listen, we heed, we obey, we work through faith, we apply that to where then that is passed on generation to generation. That is, of course, exalting God and forever and ever because then once we leave this earth here. All right, A, God's greatest concern is just as part of your outline. My notes are slightly different than what your outline, so I'll continue to follow along. God's greatest concern is his own glory. That may sound vain or self-centered from a human perspective, but and for humans it would be. But if God were not most concerned about anything above his own glory, he would be an idolater. Remember, he is a jealous God, right? So he is, hey, this is what it's all about me. Yes, it is all about him. And, and we need to make sure that we know it is all about him. Isaiah 48, 9 through 11. For my name's sake, I defer my anger. For the sake of my praise, I restrain it for you, that I may not cut you off. Behold, I have refined you, but not as silver. I have tried you in the furnace of affliction. For my own sake, for my own sake, I do it. For how should my name be profaned? My glory I will not give to another. Isaiah 48, 11. And again, just to emphasize that last verse. For my own sake, for my own sake, I do it. For how should my name be profaned? My glory I will not give to another. So as a jealous God, he alone deserves all that glory. And he's even calling that out himself in that scripture. All right, another one. We exist to glorify God. So he's like, well, why am I here on earth? Remember this point. We are here to, we exist to glorify God. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 31. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. And 1 Corinthians 6, verse 20. For you are bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. So who was bought with a price? See, all the above, all of us, right? Amen. All of us as believers, committed, faithful believers that are called, been granted repentance, we are all called and bought with that price from Christ and as the church. 1 Peter 4, verse 11, whoever speaks is one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength of God that supplies. Pray for those men out there in the parking lot ministry in 39 degrees and drizzling rain. Pray for strength for them. Pray that they stay warm, right? Those little things are extremely important, which goes back into this verse. In order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Another one, God is glorified in true biblical worship. God is glorified in true biblical worship. Psalm 29, verse 2. Ascribe to the Lord the glory do his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Psalm 99, 5. Exalt the Lord our God. Worship at his footstool. Holy is he. John 4, 23 and 24. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth for the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. In John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word, what, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. We've got to understand that the Bible is God revealed. So if someone says, oh, God spoke to me in a dream, uh, in a vision, or I heard God, like, God spoke to us in and through the Bible. He revealed himself to us and through us. 
So the great thing is that we have access to this every day, call it 24-7, especially then when we have the Bible app on our phones, like, oh, I didn't have time to read the Bible. Yes, you just didn't want to, yeah. right? We all have that time to be able to do that, but he revealed himself through God's word. This is the truth, and it is inerrant. That is what we believe. <clears throat> so it's his word. He revealed himself in that text, and we worship when we behold God in the word and submit to it. <coughs> so like I say it's the intellectual, yeah, okay, I like what it says here. But then it's that heart issue, right? What are we going to do? Like from, from here, yeah, I understand that. But then when we submit to it, it is being obedient. Because last week we were talking about a doulos. What is a doulos? Slave. It's a slave, right? It's a slave and a slave for Christ. So we are a doulos. We've been bought with a price. We are not our own. We are a slave. We are 100% owned and committed because of the blood that Jesus Christ shed on the cross, that blood for us. We are not our own. We are 100% wholly committed, and therefore then we should be submitted to him. So it's not like, well, I like the world here on one side of the fence, and oh, I really want to be with Jesus here, and you're, you're a fence sitter. It's not a really heaven and hell. It's heaven and this earth. Right? We need to be wholly, 100%, hardly submitted to him. So when we're in word, when we're in scripture, when we're in church, when we're functioning as a body of believers, how he designed it, how we can and should be, that is the true design. That is what brings him glory. And that is how we worship him as well. John 17, 10, all mine are yours and yours are mine and I am glorified in them. So who's Jesus talking about here? He's talking about the church. All those who will believe through the word of the apostles. Another one, God is glorified when the church bears fruit. I don't know if anyone has ever owned or had a fruit tree or blackberry bush or whatever. There's a time to where we had a pear tree in our backyard for years and years. And there's a period of time to where then the fruit was just unwill. I mean, it, it wasn't producing much at all. Well, through the years, I had to prune that to make sure that it is properly cut and that it is properly bearing fruit to where it's healthy. And Laura would always tease me, like, man, I just love to just cut things down, right? I love to prune. Well, strategically, there's a reason why you want to you know, prune those things. Eventually, I had to cut that pear tree down because it wasn't bearing fruit. How sad it would it be to where we are just lagging along in church and we are not bearing fruit? Is that glorifying to God? No. No. I don't. He needs to prune me because that's a sanctification process and to where then for us to be more conformed to his image and to the person of Jesus Christ that is that pruning on what we do. But if we're just sitting there and we are dead wood, man, I don't want to be that dead wood and that dead fruit tree that is not yielding and producing. We need to be bearing that fruit. That is glorifying to God and to his church. John 15, 8, my, by this my father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. You hear me from time to time. I Okay, here's one of those, another litmus test. Everyone remember chemistry, litmus test, blue, red, okay, this is, if it is blue, what does it mean? Acid or base? Base. I'll take your word for it, I forget. <laughs> okay, and then, and then on the other one, that if it is red, then it turns on a different color, right? So it's the litmus test, it's like, okay, so there's the test to really identify what is it truly, right? You go, oh, yeah, hey, this is a base, sure. Let's really prove it, right? Well, in another way, when we're bearing fruit, that is evidence of who we are. You can say, oh, I'm a believer. Okay, well, I walk into my car. Does that mean I'm a garage? Or I'm sorry. If I walk into my garage, <laughs> does that mean I'm a car? No. Or, or I did woodworking. Am I my table saw that? No, I'm not identifying that. Well, you can't identify just because you're part of a church. Bear fruit 
be who you are and, and what Christ has called you to be, that is part of the church, and but by also being a disciple in him, that is how you're going to be bearing fruit. 2 Thessalonians 1, 11 and 12, to this end we always pray for you that our God may make you worthy of his calling and may fulfill every resolve for good and every work of faith by his power so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you and him according to the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is only glorified when the church worships God his way. Remember, it's not man-centered. It is God-centered, and that is why what we want to do each and every Sunday, but then through every ministry, that is what we work to accomplish. That's our number one objective. So they need, we need to understand that the church is committed to a biblical model of worship, which means we are centered around the Word of God. And as I had mentioned, it's not man-focused, but God-focused. Leviticus 10.3 Then Moses said to Aaron, this is what the Lord has said. Among those who are near me, I will be sanctified. And before all the people, I will be glorified. And Aaron held his peace. 1 Corinthians 11, 27 through 30. Whoever, therefore, eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then, And so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For if anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself, that is why many of you are weak and ill, and some have died. Having communion, and when we do the Lord's table, is extremely important to make sure that you have your heart and your mind set to worship him you need to examine your heart do you have any unconfessed sin you know before you do you have any unconfessed sin not only before god but then also as what about a brother or sister that you've had this situation you need to confess that to god but then after receiving the lord's table if that person is in that service you need to make a beeline to them and you need to make sure that you have remember that unity Church has been, uh, Chance has been preaching this in Ephesians 4 a number of, of weeks. You need to make sure that your heart is right and your relationships are right before the Lord because that is not bringing him honor, especially then what it says here in that 1 Corinthians eleven twenty seven to 30. We need to make sure that we are, our hearts and our minds are right before him. Edifying believers. The church exists to build up believers. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 26. What then, brothers? When you come together, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Let all things be done for building up. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 11. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up, just as you are doing. Now, since the only musical gift that I have, and I've mentioned this in closing, I can play hot cross buns on the piano. Can you? (laughs) That's all that I have, but it doesn't matter. I am so grateful just for people that have that musical gift and that talent that the Lord has given them and equipped them. People, hey, I want to serve. And there were people that even have been in membership class and where then eventually I may see them up on stage whether it be whatever in capacity, I'm like, Lord, thank you. Thank you that they have that desire to serve. I mean, I just look at that and like, man, I am ungifted in that, in that area. Mm-hmm. I'm so thankful that they have that gift and then that they're utilizing that gift. Again, it's all for the glory of God. Amen. And if they ask me to play hot cross buns, I'll do that all to the glory of God. <laughs> <laughs> all right. But all things be done for building up. So when we take a look, it's not only as we want to we serve in any capacity to love one another. And again, we'll talk about the one another's here. But when we're doing that, one, to bring glory to God. Number two is then also is to build up the body of believers. All right, practicing the one another's. <clears throat> so you will see on your handout that that is on page three. Just the way that we had printed some things out. Just keep an eye on that as we go through those. So love one another. 
How do we do that? How do you define loving one another? Interactive Sunday school class. That's okay. Go ahead. How do you love one another? By sacrificing yourself for someone. Sacrificing yourself for someone. Sacrificing your time, sacrificing your energy. Time, time, energy. That's right. That, that's right. So, so time is a precious commodity. Are you willing to sacrifice your own time to love someone else in church? If a brother or sister is going through marital problems, are you willing to like, man, we had, we had an idea that we we're going to go see a movie tonight. Man, this family, I mean, it's DEFCON 4. We really need to be ministering to them. Are you willing to devote your energy, your time, your resources, that skill, to then come alongside your brother or sister to love on them and be able to do that? That's one area, that's one idea, what, what that certainly could look like. There's a lot of other different ways in how we can love one another as well. All right, live in harmony with one another. Is, is, it, is it pleasant to where then if you have um, a situation at home and to where then husband and wife just are in disagreement of something and you, eventually you'll work it out, but at that time you're like, man, that's uncomfortable. Well, when you live in harmony, you're like, man, this is awesome, especially then on how God had designed. But that's also, going back into where we take the Lord's table, it is extremely important that we do live in harmony with one another. So we have to look at overseeing preferences, right? So if I have the toilet paper that is on the roll that goes one way and Laura likes it another way, that's a preference, right? We're still going to live in harmony. All right, we're going to squeeze the toothpaste in the, in the wrong way as well. Of course, we always talk about these things, especially then for, for young marriage. But what about just in church in general? Well, I can't believe, you know, this person is doing such and such, and they just don't give me a word edgewise. We're supposed to be patient. We're supposed to love one another, but then also living in harmony with one another as well. Very important. The scripture references are, are there, Romans 12, 16. Romans 15.5, Galatians 5.26, and 1 Thessalonians 5.13. When you see, and even though the outline, everything that we say and what we want to do, it's not what my opinion, what my thoughts are. I might have some commentary like I do on this, but everything is, hey, this is what God's Word has to say. It's not me, my thoughts. I may, you know, again, add that, but it's here's the scripture. Here's what God's word has to say about that. Be welcoming to one another. Romans 15, verse 7. Romans 16, verse 16. So when you guys first crossed the threshold of the doors of Believer's Fellowship, did you guys feel welcome? Yes. Oh, I hope it's just this loud amen to where I'm... It's the... <laughs> yes. It, it should be. Um, there's churches. I'll never forget that many years ago when Laura and I moved to San Antonio, and there was another church that we had visited, and it was kind of a similar situation to where we were here, to where the person that was teaching here, I mean, it's clearly evident that we are visitors. And so we had to come behind the speaker and come all the way around, all the way in the back. And at the end of the teaching lesson, no Sunday school lesson, Everyone got up and left. And Laura and I looked at each other like, clearly they would know that we are visiting. It's not like we want this attention, but I'm like, hey, welcome. We're glad that you're here. Thank you. My name is so-and-so, you know, Joe Bagadonis. Hey, who, what's your name? Why are you new to San Antonio? Tell, you want to engage with people. You want to love them in welcoming, you know, each, each other. And they're like, oh, yeah, hey, I got a problem with so-and-so because he said something wrong in, in men's ministry yesterday. I don't want to talk to him. Yeah, that's not what we're supposed to do, right? Welcome one another. Romans 15, 7, Romans 16, verse 16. Okay, here's another one. I'm going to start stepping on some toes. <laughs> the next one, admonish one another. Mm. Romans 15, 14, and Colossians 3, 16. We're supposed to admonish one another. It's not the deacon's duty. It's not the elder's duty.
to go admonish. Hey, I got a problem. I need for you to talk to so-and-so. All right, well, you know what? We're going to shepherd, and we will do that. There are many times in situations to where Steve Jordan, Steve is sitting here in the front. Uh, Steve is the chairman of, uh, co-chairman of the deacon board. As I am chair of the elder board, I oversee the deacons. And there are a number of times to where we have to work together, and we love working together on some shepherding issues. But it's just that as we come together and make sure that we counsel in the, in the right way. But there's other situations where we're like, oh, hey, well, I'm just going to leave this to the elders because I just don't feel good about doing that thing. We're called to admonish one another. Remember, in John 17, thy word is truth. Sanctify them in the truth, right? And then also we're called to speak the truth in love. And so when we're admonishing one another, first of all, pull the log out of your own eye, right? You make sure that your heart is right. Because then when you do that, then you're going to have a humble heart and to where then you pull someone aside, you know, like, wait a second, here's what God's word says. Here's what scripture says. Here's what I'm able to see. And again, it's seek to understand because you may not have all the information if you're going to admonish another person. And that person, Lord willing, and how you say that should receive that well. In humility, like, you're right, man, I am sinning big time. Thank you for loving me and for coming alongside me and be able to point that out. I need your help. Can you speak with me on a weekly basis? Can you text me? Hey, how are you doing in this particular situation, right? That is where and how that we're edifying and we are doing the one another's as well. This is a difficult one to do. Well, maybe for some it might not be. <laughs> hey, you got to remember, take the log out of your own eye. Do it in humility. Speak the truth in love. But it's not necessarily, oh, we're, we're going to just let it go, and then the elders or the deacons are going to take care of that. Yes, we will, and we can do that. But remember, it's all of the church's responsibility to be able to do that. We are equipped. You're like, I don't know where to go. Open up God's word, take a look at that, ask another, perhaps another mature believer, someone, hey, I'm trying to work on something and I need to speak to a brother and I really need some scripture on that. Can you help me? You don't have to say, oh, well, so-and-so is majorly sinning and blah, that's gossip, right? You're confronting, you're going on that individual situation with that brother or sister just from that context of, hey, I need more information. Help me, equip me. That's what we're called to do as well. So admonish one another. And then right along with that is the next one in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 25, care for one another. Well, what does that look like? You know, a lot of different ways. As I was mentioning, that would be that marital counseling issue, you know, caring for one another. Uh, as we die to self and we love Christ, there's that sacrifice that we might have. What about caring for one another? What about when that individual um, has um, cancer? And needs to be taken to the hospital the, uh, or a, a, an appointment, a, a physician's appointment because they, their husband is working or their wife is working, but whatever that might be. What about a meal? What about a meal sign up? How are we caring for one another? This in so many different ways. What about the widow? We have a widow ministry. And taking care of the widows, it can be simply as changing a light bulb. That's loving one another. Like, when I, yeah, you don't want to be falling off a ladder. Everyone knows my story. You don't want to be falling off a ladder, but you don't want an elderly person, let alone with a widow, of trying to change a light bulb and to where they're like, hey, widow, you know, partners, you know, on the deacon board, they have all of that lined up. But it's not like, hey, we're going to let the deacons do that. Jump in and be able to, you know, take care of that and serve and love one another. When I was, um, I was in a wheelchair two years ago this March, and there are some individuals that came over to my house because there's some yard work that need to be done. I was in a wheelchair for, for two months because I had eight fractures and I was recovering from that. But I was marveling at the number of people that came out and showed up and demonstrating that love for me and for Laura by doing that physical labor in getting my lawn taken care of, including then with two or three, four pallets of sod that need to be put down. I was so thankful. 
But what goes around comes around. There will be a time to where then you will need, have that need as well. I guarantee you. You will then marvel and be like, oh man, I, remember it's I get to, not I got to. It's that heart attitude and that mindset of my, I get the opportunity to be able to serve. I'm going to love someone else. I'm physically capable of doing X. Sacrificing with a meal. That might mean that the family might just for that week having to come back on groceries on their own. You're like, okay, well, instead of a three-course meal, it's now a two-course because we're sacrificing to love someone else based on that family or food budget to be able to love that other person. Um, might be undergoing that trial or, or tribulation. And right along with that is bearing one another's burdens. You're like, hey, yeah, I'm so sorry that you're dealing with that marital problem. Yeah, I'm not going to help you. Bear one another's burdens. And that goes back into that sacrifice in that time, the resources, that energy. There's times to where you're like, Lord, I just don't have it. I mean, yesterday morning, uh, I was teaching men's breakfast, came home, and Laura had 27 text messages that she was working through from a number of ladies that just had some needs. She wasn't griping or complaining about it. She's like, I just feel overwhelmed. There's just so many things that are going on. And it was like, hey, it's okay. We talked about it. We're working through that. But God is going to equip us. He always does, and he's going to sustain us as well. But bearing one another's burdens. We should have that empathy. We should be loving. We should be caring. The other thing I had mentioned, be patient with one another. Ephesians 4, verse 2, and Colossians 3, verse 13. 3, verse 13, be patient with one another. This goes back into having those preferences. Remember, God designed us as in his image, but we are all unique and different. And so look for those things on how that person is unique and different and marvel at what God has done and how he has designed that individual. Because we all have those different skills, those talents, those gifts, those abilities, where and how and be able to do that in serving one another. So if we have, again, those, those different preferences, those different ideas, a thought, whatever, okay, well, we need to be patient with one another. All right, be, be kind to one another, Ephesians 4, verse 32. How would you define um, being nice and being kind? Oh, that person, he's really a nice person, or she's really a nice person. There's a difference from that compared to then, man, that person's really kind. How would you define kind, and how would you define nice? I would say, like, being nice is like a Just being nice and being a decent person. So, so really, then, with part of that's excellent, is really it's more of that exterior. Right? I've had nice bosses. I mean, people can be really nice to you in front of your face and then right for the next half a second or half a step be talking about you behind your back or doing something that's evil and wicked. Right? So being nice, that can be more of that exterior shell. Being kind, how would you define kind? From the heart. It's more of a heart issue. Right? It's like because you're giving of yourself. It's something that necessarily that you wouldn't want to do or you feel like doing, but you go that extra mile on something that was totally unexpected. It could be from an, an act, uh, you know, that gift, that act of love. It could, be, it could look in a variety of different ways, but just being kind, right? Being, you know, having a, a gentle answer, you know, turning away wrath. Right? Just being kind in your words, in your thoughts, in your actions. That is more from the heart, and that's where then when we reflect on that. Be kind with one another, Ephesians 4.32. So, yeah, we want to be nice, but remember, excellent point, that's that exterior. Be kind. And again, this is what Scripture says. All right, so here's the other one. Forgive one another, Ephesians 4.32 and Colossians 3.13. Forgive one another. Is there times to where you're like, man, I just don't want to forgive that person? (laughs) Well, well, yeah, because our pride could be swollen up and we just don't want to do that. But we're called, we're commanded. Hey, when you get around to it, when you feel like it, or hey, remember tomorrow, forgive one another or any of the other one another's is no, it's a command. Do it. It's not like when you get around to it or when you feel like 
you are to forgive one another. Because ultimately, who forgave us? Jesus Christ forgave us. Unpardonable sins. But because he loved us and he demonstrated his love that he died for us and he forgave us of our sins. Well, if that's the model and we're the slave and we're owned by Jesus Christ, then what do we need to do? We'll be compelled to then forgive one another because as Christ forgave you. Amen. Ephesians 5.19 and Colossians 3.16 sing praises with one another. All right, so Laura and I are going to be singing praise with one another. I'll start with hot cross buns, but then we'll turn into <laughs> it as well with my soul. All right, but we're going to sing praises with one another. You know, how often to where then you might be in a fellowship group, and I encourage you, if you're not part of one, please do so. You, you are sorely being missed out on a multitude of blessings if you're not part of a fellowship group. But to where then you're singing, you're singing praises. It can be a cappella. Hey, no one knows how to play music. Like they'd look around and say, hey, Bruce, can you? Yeah, no, they wouldn't be looking at me to do that. Let's sing a cappella. Everyone can do that. Everyone knows a lot of different songs. We're supposed to, and we're doing that. Singing the praises for one another. We're going to outdo one another with that, is, but because the purpose is to bring glory to God. Philippians 2.3, regard one another as more important than oneself. And that is that one to where then how often do we die to self? Do we put other people in front of ourselves? This is especially a one to where then if you're married, you're married for a while, that takes time to be able to do that. And then after a while, you're like, it literally can be on autopilot. Like, oh man, Laura would love for me to do such. I'm, she's not going to, I want to do it for her out of love rather than her asking me to do that. Just like with our kids, I don't have to ask you to do it and then reluctantly, okay, I guess I will. But if we do that and one one another is more important than ourselves, we have humility, we are humbling ourselves, we are thinking more of that other person. And again, as as we are loving that other person more than we're loving ourselves. Number 13, speak truth to one another. Colossians 3 verse 9 this also, what I had mentioned back into then in number four to admonish one another, is speaking truth to one another. We need to be speaking truth. When I'm interviewing candidates, when I've had my uh, sales team in the past, I, I would ask them uh, a question really to see, you know, kind of a heart issue. And really with expectations of, you know, if I'm speaking with a non-believer, I'm not going to necessarily know that in an interview unless someone flat out comes in and says that. But I'll ask a question. Is, is, is a white lie ever, you know, permitted? Uh, why or why not? And it's interesting on the answers that I get. Is a white lie a lie? Yes. In God's eyes, especially in the Ten Commandments, Call it the color you want. Is a blue lie a blue lie? Is a purple lie a purple lie? Is it a indigo lie? Is it a red? Doesn't matter on the color, right? A lie is a lie is a lie all day long. And so then when we're supposed to speak the truth to one another, this also means is to make sure that you are clearly speaking the truth. It's not, oh, I'm just going to withhold some of this. We need to be speaking the truth. So white lies... Any other color lies, it's not part of it either. All right, encouraging one another. First Thessalonians 4, verse 18 5, and 5.11. Hebrews 3, verse 13. And Hebrews 10, verse 25. Encourage one another. How can we encourage one another? Man, it can be before church service. It could be in between church service. It could be after church service. It could be before fellowship group. It could be during the week in a simple text message. You know, another epic fail that I just do, if anyone watches, sees me t- type a text message, it's rare that I actually will. I actually do the voice text. And then I have to make sure that I'm clear. Like, oh, oh, I didn't want to send that. Because the, the voice prompt uh, didn't, didn't pick it up properly. For me, I, I'm a henpecker. I can't do this. I'm amazed at how people are, 
you know, just get a text message. How long does a text message take to send to somebody, hey, I'm praying for you. Hey, how, how are you doing on X? I've been praying for you. When someone follows up with a text message or a phone call or whatever, when you have shared a prayer request with them last week, the day before, a month ago, and they continue to follow up with, hey, how are you doing with this? been praying for you. Do you think that person is genuinely praying for you? When you're getting all of that follow-up? Oh, for me, unequivocally, yes. Because they're making the effort. It's on their mind. They're making the extra effort. And how encouraging is that to where you're like, man, we're, we're called to pray for one another and where you're actually getting those prayers. Yeah. We're going through those things. You know, and that follow-up, it's very encouraging. Encourage one another, according to that scripture. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 15. We want to be seeking good for one another. What is good? What is honorable? What is right? What is true? We all want to be speaking of that, but then also with our actions as well. We want to seek good for one another. Another one, stir up another to love and good deeds. Hebrews 10, verse 24, 1 Timothy 6, 17, and 18. Stir up one another to love and good deeds. Call it the momentum train, right? You get that inertia, you get inertia, you start moving, the law of physics. Once you get something moving and it's faster, it can get easier, start accelerating. Well, the same thing when we're stirring one another up. You can be that catalyst. Be that person. Because then where that's modeled, like, oh, man, well, that person signed up. Hey, I need to sign up for such and such. Don't be compelled just to do that to look good in front of other people. Remember, what is our primary objective? And to make sure we're motivated by love and to honor and worship God. James 5.16, confess your sins to one another. I had a conversation with an individual um, uh, around the time with uh, men's breakfast yesterday as I had taught and uh, the person was confessing some things to me. And the first thing that I, well, the first two things that I told that individual, I said, well, first of all, thank you for being transparent because it takes humility on that individual's side to, man, here's, I'm struggling with this, right? I'm struggling with this sin. And then number two is just being transparent. So it's being humble in, in doing that. And then number two is communicating that. Like, okay, well, what can we do? Because I'm going to come alongside you. I'm going to pray with you. I'm going to encourage you. I'm going to encourage you with Scripture. Here are these other things. All right, let's reconvene back in another week or two to talk about the number of things. I'm going to love you by doing that. So when we confess our sins to one another, man, it's not only to, to one another, but then also to God as well. It is cleansing. Man, it is rejuvenating and, and uh, again, encouraging. Pray for one another. I mentioned in a text. Do we just say it or do we actually do it? Hey, I'm praying for you, Steve. No, you're going through a difficult time. I'm praying for you. Okay, well, are we genuinely doing that? Right? Do you have a prayer journal? Are you following up with that individual? Hey, how are you doing with that? And then 1 Peter 4, verse 9, be hospitable to one another. What does that look like? Is that... After church service for lunch, is that going to, whatever that looks like, hey, we're going to have a number of people over. You know, if it's, if it's a, man, that's a lot of energy and effort just to have one couple over, be able to, you know, be hospitable. Well, then, if your budget can allow, but even then, hey, let's do a potluck. We're going to host it, and, and let's have these four couples. Target, identify, who do you want you're like, yeah, it's all on me because my food budget could be really tight. Don't let that be a hindrance. Everyone's like, man, I'd love to do that. Potluck. Okay, who wants to bring this, 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 and this? Okay, done. We're going to meet at X time, 6 o'clock on Saturday night. Look forward to seeing you. And that fellowship, and then also to be hospitable, host that. have to be from all the time, but from time to time. Be hospitable. Open people up uh, and have them into, their, into your home. Or another way, glorifying God through the local church, evangelizing the lost. Everything the church is called to do, we can do in heaven. Worship, praise, serve, etc. But here's one thing that we can't do in heaven, is evangelism. 
God in his gracious love uses men to present his gospel. So the God that spoke things into existence, don't you think that, oh, well, yeah, I don't want to do that because he's going to save, he's, you know, predestination, he's going to, he already knows who he's going to um, save. But we get that opportunity to participate in that. And when I spoke about this at Men's Breakfast yesterday is that by his design, we get that, we get that opportunity to, to be able to do that and participate in that. It's not a suggestion, it's a command. Amen. Not only that is, when, when you were first saved, you're like, well, I don't really want to talk to anybody about my newfound faith and what Jesus had done with me because I really don't know much Bible knowledge. Anyone ever do that? No, you wanted to shout that from the rooftops. Yes. You're like, yes. Lord Jesus, what it, you, you did was an amazing thing. <laughs> you're like, I don't know anything, but I do know this, and I do know yes. these facts. And there are going to be some just core foundational knowledge, but the Holy Spirit, remember, is going to be speaking through you. He's going to equip you with those words to share with other people. And we pray for opportunities. Oh, Lord, I pray for opportunities to share, you know, witness with others. Well, there's times every opportunity, every day that we do have that. Are we really fully utilizing those opportunities? You're like, well, let me share with you. God has a wonderful plan for your life, all right? We're going to go through whatever. Well, yeah, we can officially do that in, in sharing the gospel in a very concrete manner. But are we weaving the gospel through each and everyday conversations with people that are lost, whether it be in the grocery store line, whether it be a coworker, whether it be a neighbor? Think and pray on how to, hey, you know, I was at men's breakfast and I had learned such and such. Like, man, it was really amazing on how God revealed his word through just having a conversation with a neighbor. You're like, oh, man, I've been really struggling with that. Really? You want true love? You want true hope? Let me share how I'd be able to do that. As you build that relationship with that individual and then you're able to share, hey, let's sit down. Oh, yeah, and I'm going to be hospitable to you, too. (laughs) I'm going to bring you over for, for coffee or lunch or whatever. And then you're able to share that. But we have those opportunities to do that each and every day. It looks different each and every day. The question is, are we available and are we obedient in doing that and using those opportunities that the Lord gives us? Spurgeon, we are not called to proclaim philosophy and metaphysics, but the simple gospel. Man's fall, his need of a new birth, forgiveness through atonement, and salvation as the result of faith, these are our battle acts and weapons of war. We have to know and understand this is a spiritual war that's going on. All right, the Great Commission. And we know, as evangelizing the lost, it's not a suggestion, it's a command. And so, with the Matthew 28, 19, and 20, when you feel like it, go around and make disciples of a couple of nations... Baptize him and them in the name of the Father. No, it doesn't say that. <laughs> Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Which goes back to, you know, like, oh, I don't know the words. I'm with you. He's, going to, he's already equipped us. Lord will give you the words to say when you are evangelizing the lost. When you were hopeless at one time, you now have hope. Why would you not want to share that? If you have light, do you put a, an extinguisher? Say if you've got a candle, unless you want to literally extinguish it, you're going out for the night. No, you want that light to shine. And if you have complete darkness, if this whole church, there's areas, and especially at night, when all these lights are turned off, you guys know about this, it is dark. But all of a sudden, you take out your phone, you know, there's an app for it, right? You pull out your flashlight light, and you turn that thing on, all of a sudden now everything is illuminated, like, man, now I can see, I can walk. It's encouraging. Well, it's just like with God's Word and His truth. Even that little bit of light can illumine so much. That is what we're doing when we're evangelizing the lost. Acts 1.8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Now remember, the harvest needs workers. 
Chance had mentioned the, the, the evangelism club. You say people that have that sincere desire or with that gift, like, man, I love to go out and share and, and witness to people. While we want to make sure we have uh, those folks that where they can encourage one another, Chance had made that announcement. The harvest needs workers. Luke 10, verse 2, And he said to them, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. But remember, it's not just an evangelism club. We are all called to do that. You know, oh, yeah, hey, I got gifts in other areas. No, we all have that, and that's that commandment. And remember, the lost will not be saved without the gospel. Amen. Right? So, so we can live it, but that's just one part of it, right? We have to utter it also. We have to say it. We have to speak it. We're like, man, that's something really different about you. You live your life. I never hear you swear. You always talk well about people. You always do the right thing. You don't like, you know, what, what is it about you that you, why you do these things? Let me share with you on what God has done in my life and how he has changed me to be this person. Amen. Can I share that with you? Yeah, I would love to hear that. Right, there's that opportunity. So when you're living it, being like, oh, well, hey, thanks a lot. That's nice. You know, it's really kind for you to say that or really nice for you to say that, right? <laughs> you don't just stop there. You continue to go on and being obedient in evangelizing the lost. That is the command that we're called to do. All right, Romans 10, verse 13 to 15. How are they going to hear it without someone preaching? So we are called to preach that word. Again, we are uttering that. It would be rather exasperating if Chance would just model being a good guy up in the pulpit, but if he wouldn't be speaking it, like, come on, when are you going to say something here? And as every sermon, what does he end on? And this is why we need a Savior. Right? There is that present, presentation of the gospel. This is why we need that hope in Jesus. This is why, <clears throat> again, we're, we're preaching that. Characteristics of a godly church. Right? What are the characteristics? We're devoted to Christ. Matthew 22, verse 37. And he said to them, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And a couple of other scriptures as I want to make sure that I uh, finish up here on time. Acts 2, verse 42, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayers. Church is designed to be actively involved. This is, I call it, a living organism. It is, it is functioning because it's not the buildings. We talked about that last week. It's not the buildings. It's the people. Right? This is where and how that God works in and through us. We are called to encourage one another. So it is active participation. So if you see something, you're like, man, I need to do that. Well, I always encourage people is every time that the church doors are open, there's a reason for it. It's to edify and to equip. Be there. Sometimes there might be situations that are like, you literally and physically can't be there. So, for example, on Wednesday mornings for lead, you're, you've got to be, you know, commuting to work, and that takes an hour, and you have to be to work at, you know, 8 o'clock. Well, that's that season. That might be one of those things. Oh, I can't go to fellowship group. Well, there's times where I'm traveling across the country in the middle of the week to where then there's times I'm not going to be back by fellowship group on Thursday nights. But when we do have those, like, man, I get the opportunity to participate. So anytime that there's a church function, really the expectation, not only for church leadership, but really for all of ourselves, should be is show up. Right? Don't be a consumer. Be the giver. Participate. That is what and how the right functioning of the body of Christ and, and what it does. Amen. All right, so the other one that we do on a godly characteristics of godly church we mentioned this, devoted to the preaching and the study of the Word of God. Acts 6, verse 4, We will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. And the elders were devoted to prayer and the teaching of God's Word. 
Every elder, and that's when we talked about the two offices last week, the elder and the deacon, and the major difference between an elder and a deacon is the ability to teach. I also mentioned that we do have some deacons that are phenomenal teachers. Right now, they are deacons. Someday will they perhaps be elders? Possibly. Possibly so. But that is where and how what we are called to do as elders is to make sure that we are teaching and equipping and and with and through God's word. Hebrews 4.12, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Only the Word of God can claim this through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. In Hosea 4, 6, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because you rejected knowledge, I reject you from being a priest to me. And since you have forgotten the law of your God, I will also forget your children. Man, that's, that's tough scripture right there. So churches that neglect to teach the word destroy the soul of its people. I don't want that on me. And I guarantee you, every other of the six elders that we have currently at Believer's Fellowship, they don't want that on them either. This is a serious office. It takes work. It takes energy. It takes effort. But we get that privilege to be able to do that. We are thankful. We are grateful for that. But it's a serious office to make and sure because as we are overseers and shepherds of your souls, that is a great thing on what the Lord has asked us to do. It's very important. <clears throat> another one that we had talked about, devoted to one another. We've got that scripture, John 13, verses 34 and 35. And 1 Corinthians 1, verse 9. I'm just going to have you write those down just for the sake of time here as we can work on uh, finishing up on, on time. Another one, as I had mentioned, devoted to prayer. Acts 2, verse 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Another scripture, Acts 1, verse 14. And Romans 12, 12. Romans 12, 12. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Another one, devoted to obedience. Make sure that we are devoted to obedience. John 14, verse 21. Luke 6, verse 46. And that one says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I tell you? Mm. Another one, you know, a hard one to absorb. We're like, okay, well, yeah, audio and visual, right? Like, yeah, I like this, but it's a hard issue. We're not being obedient to that word. We need to be obedient. Colossians 1, verse 10. So the other one, <clears throat> there's ordinances of the church that we need to make sure that we are committed to doing. One is baptism. In order to symbolize that internal reality of salvation, the New Testament calls believers to be baptized in water as a public testimony to their faith and solidarity in Christ Jesus. Water baptism, then, is the outward post-conversion demonstration of an inward reality that has already occurred at conversion. So it's an external, it's an outward thing, post-conversion, and those testimonies are amazing. A couple of scriptures on that to write down. Matthew 28, verse 19. Matthew 28, verse 19, and Acts 2, verse 41. Another area that I had mentioned, and it's the Lord's table, in Luke 22, verse 17 to 20, and we need to do that in remembrance of our Lord Jesus, the Lord's table. Another scripture reference, 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-three to 26. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. We need to have that remembrance on a consistent basis. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, 
you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Those are the other ordinances of what we are called to do. This ends week number two for life in the church. If you are not here for week number three, uh, please let me know. We've got membership applications up front here. I'll have those next week as well. And let me close in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you that uh, you have spoken uh, your word, your truth, uh, through the Bible. Lord, you revealed yourself. Thank you. Thank you on how your perfect design for the church so we know and understand uh, the one another's and how we be able to do that. Lord, I pray that we meditate, we examine our hearts. How can we do this all the more so we may be pleasing and honoring and glorifying to you? Lord, help us to do active participation in the body of believers, which is your church, and help us to do the ordinances of what you have called us to do, especially then with baptism, evangelization, and the Lord's table. Lord, thank you for your wonderful gift in your son, Jesus Christ. And we pray these things in your name. Amen.